Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. And with you in the studio tonight, it's Aria, Nikki, and Bonnie. Since I've gotten more into metal music, it amazes me how these women can have these beautiful, almost operatic singing voices. And then they can scream like men. Infected Rain is the one that gets me the most. Infected Rain and Ginger. Or... Hell, the agonist, really. I, I, I don't remember I think, the woman's um, name, but oh, from Arch Enemy, Alyssa White uh, yeah. Galtz, too. She I, I th- also is she has the new singer really... or the previous singer? She's the one with the blue hair. I, I okay, can't she tell. was in the agonist previously. Okay, and uh, she left the agonist to join Arch Enemy, I think. But yeah, absolutely. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Well, their old singer was. Uh, 60 years old or something so she retired and she She retired at 60 i don't know exactly how old she was but she was too old she was like i'm retiring i mean when you're a rock star you can do that at the age of 35 if you want so she retired and she handpicked uh the singer from the agonist to replace her and she did a fantastic job the agonist i feel sorry for their drummer man because i know how to play drums right and i'm not a drummer by any means but i can keep a beat and you know i can do the double bass not but good God, when you hear the agonist's drummer, it's like, dude, how much cocaine is this guy on? <laughs> and do his, how does he, how does he still have legs at the end of one of these shows? Be, between the cymbal work and the double bass work, it's just absolutely amazing. There's so much. And I didn't even know these bands existed until like two or three years ago. One yeah, of me the, too. One of the things that Mark Edge, who, is on the show with us, loves saying is that he only listens to talk radio because it's always something new, always something original. Whereas if you listen to the radio or you listen to music or whatever, you hear the same songs over uh, and over and over like that. Except musicians are always creating music, so that's totally not true. But they on are, radio, it's like a lot of times you do get like the a same, bunch of the yeah. like oldies stations and sure, but top music. Why would anyone in 2023 listen to rock music radio or, or, or any music station? Like, just connect your Bluetooth to your mm-hmm. stereo, which almost every car out there has now, and just throw on Spotify for $10 a month, and you have virtually unlimited access to any music you want. The only reason I ever used to use the radio for music was just when I was, like, completely tired of the things I personally would choose, which is also a reason to use, like, Pandora or something, but mm-hmm. I could just press one button in the car. But that was only when I was like driving a lot, and a lot of times you just get completely you go around three times, and you're like, "Wow, everything sucks," and then you go back to your music. yeah. So I had um, before I installed my new stereo in that uh, new Subaru I just got. I Congrats. I didn't have any Bluetooth capabilities or an aux cord or anything. So I was listening to the radio on How my way to work. How does it not have even, yeah, even was, an aux cord? That's... Wow. 2010? I, I thought they had Bluetooth in 2010. Yeah, I would have thought guess, so. But this car didn't. Okay. So uh, I was enjoying the listening to music on the radio, and it actually really wasn't that bad. Because um, I go into work late at night, so I got to listen to Alice Cooper's radio show. Oh my God, is he still doing that. that? He totally is. Okay. And it was really great. I was like, oh, I forgot about this. Like this is kind of, it was refreshing, but I think if I did more than, like after about two weeks of it, I was like, all right, I'm ready to be able to, because I select my music very specifically. I have a very, you know, eclectic taste in music. Sometimes I want to listen to classical music. Sometimes I want to listen to metal. Sometimes I want to listen to country. And it is completely dependent on my mood. I'll still listen to stuff on vinyl. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just don't. I mean, I, I 
the music industry is changing in this regard. They're moving more and more towards singles and less and less toward albums. And and I like this. And Butcher Babies are one of the prime examples of this. They're releasing a new single in two days. Mm-hmm. They also just released a new single a few months ago. I was one of the first people to see it live at Incarceration. It was a cover of some hip-hop song called Best Friend. Yeah. It's terrible. Like, Butcher Babies, why? Why did you inflict this upon the world? But whatever. You know, they, they're going to do what they're going to do. But anyway, for the last, I'm, I'm hoping that they're not on tour this year because they're not on tour this year. But I'm hoping the reason for that is because they're actually doing an entire album. But looking at their history on Spotify, I doubt that's the mm-hmm. case because it's just one single after the other. Like every year they release a new single. It's like, that's great and all. But I also like the album approach, right? Like the last full album I believe I listened to was A Perfect Circle's new album. And that that released right before or right after I came to New Hampshire. Other than that, it's like Spotify serves me all of the stuff that I want to hear. But as you point out, it's probably true that most people only want to hear the singles. Yeah. Because most people probably only use Spotify when they're in their car. Well, I think that artists were releasing a lot less albums during like COVID and stuff. Because you don't want to like release an album and not be able to perform it. Like Lady Gaga released an album at the very beginning of the COVID stuff. And, you know, we thought like, oh, it might be over soon anyway. Well, they should have been recording an album. She couldn't, you know, go and perform it for two years. And everybody was getting, I mean, the album was old at that point. Yeah. Yeah. The smart thing would have been to record a new album during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I know like some artists were doing that, but. But I suspect I use Spotify more than the average person because I would just sit at home and have Spotify playing for like three hours a day. And then, of course, I listen to it for eight to ten hours a day at work. Mm-hmm. And so the average person probably doesn't do that. So only hearing Chop Suey by System of Down is probably fine for them because they're only going to hear it once a week yeah. at the most, maybe once a month. Whereas I'm going to hear it multiple times a day. Yeah, it's like at least throw us prison song or something. Well, it's it has done that. But the solution here is obvious, right? It's to create my own playlist. Yeah. Just like I used to do with Windows Media Player, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to... Ha- One of the benefits of Spotify is that it will generate these dynamic playlists for me. I just want it to widen its selection on what it will choose. Like, how about maybe instead of Chop Suey, you you choose Needles or some other obscure song that you don't ever play. I, I can't imagine that's too complicated of a request for Spotify to have. Honestly, I, I suggest Pandora for this. You just got to be on it when you first get it to be like thumbing down the stuff you absolutely hate. And uh, that way it will go away. Well, see, I blocked some bands like Nickelback blocked. <laughs> and, and also, <laughs> I know, right? Aria has zero tolerance for Nickelback. And, well, that's because I, I don't object to Nickelback, right? And Chad Kruger, their singer, he's one of the best lyricists to walk the earth. Like, no one writes catchy hooks like this dude. You love him or hate him, his lyrics are popular and they've all, they're always popular. But they take that problem that I have with Spotify and they multiply it to a thousand fold, right? Whereas Spotify only plays the popular singles. Well, that's all anyone ever plays of Nickelback. There's huge problems with Spotify, and it could be such an amazing thing. But the reason I get in all of this is because Mark always said, or he likes saying, that you know, there's there's no new music out there or not enough you know, music is repetitive or whatever. I thought he doesn't like new music. He said that his brain can't enjoy any new music, and that's why he has to listen to the same I mean, old not stuff. with that attitude. Yeah, I don't believe that's true. Because I all. used to, I used to say that too. I used to say like, "Oh, I can't listen to anything 
beyond this time period because most of what I liked was from the 70s or the 90s. Yeah. So I just completely wrote off all new music. And then once I was like, okay, let's open my mind to something different. And I started to explore more stuff. I'm like, no, actually, there's a lot of really awesome music coming out still. There really is. And that's what I love most about Spotify is that Lacuna Coil randomly played one night while I was at work like two and a half, maybe three years ago, not long after the raid. So I guess it was about two years ago. Lacuna Coil just randomly played. Never heard them before. Didn't know anything about them. I had heard of them. Mm -hmm. But to me, they were just one of those 90s bands that played on MTV and that I heard about from a friend of mine who watched MTV. They they were like Edema or Nonpoint or one of these other 90s bands that came and went and did nothing remarkable. I had no idea they even had a female singer. And whatever song it was, I was like, man, that was fantastic. So I started listening to Lacuna Coil, which ended up leading to Infected Rain and Butcher Babies and all of these other bands that I two years ago I didn't even know existed. And now they're my number one played bands on Spotify. Butcher Babies is my favorite band. And if I took Mark's approach of only listening to talk radio or saying, well, there's no new music out there. I'm just going to listen to podcasts now, which would be the Spotify equivalent, I guess. Then I never would have experienced any of these bands. And now I'm like, how did I ever live without these? Yeah. Well, he did. Uh, I gave him the aux once and I was like, Mark, just play whatever you want. And first thing he played was, uh, oh man, what the heck is it called? Oh, Race by The Race or something by Cake. Oh, The Distance by Cake. And I was like, oh, I actually like this song. But then he, uh, he played this band. I had to Google what it's called. It's called OK Go. And it's just okay. I mean, like well, that's I, why they're called OK Go. That's, <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, they have cool music videos in a way. Like they they do interesting stuff, right? But I, the music is just like okay, like it's good. But it's not like I would never choose to listen to it. But whatever. I was letting Mark play his music, and the music videos were kind of interesting to watch. And I told him, oh yeah, our friend. I won't say his name. Well, you, wait, he's been on the show. Chris Reitman likes this band. He showed me this band actually, and he was like, dang it, it's an old guy band. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel for Mark. I do. And, and you know, as a rock listener, as someone who loved new metal, that, that would probably be my favorite type of rock music is Disturbed and Tool. Well, mm-hmm. the, tool is probably more art metal, I think they call it, but or progressive metal. But just new metal in general is what I've always listened to. I can relate. It's only coincidence that there's still new metal being generated out there. And it's all from these old bands that are that are basically washed up i mean let's face it when i see papa roach up there on stage and incarceration i'm like all right you guys are still doing this this guy's kind of overweight and he he looks like he's past his prime and that's what all of these musicians look like i mean metallica right one of the one of the earliest prog metal bands out there and you look at them like they're all great hair tool long gray hair 50 60 years old these bands are and it's just coincidence or fortunate for me that any of these new bands or any of these bands are playing and still making new music Mm -hmm. in mark's case the bands that he would like to listen to aren't yeah and like that that sucks i mean i listen to a lot of 70s classic rock and i've seen you know fleetwood mac steve miller band even ozzy osbourne you know i've seen some of these people live and sometimes it's like oh this is awesome and sometimes it's like uh, that was really disappointed, like disappointing. Or yeah. is Ozzy Osbourne going to have a stroke on the stage right now? Like I'm a little <laughs> concerned for his well-being. Anything that could be cut to like a minute or a minute and a half is fantastic on TikTok. Or even some uh, videos of people doing activism, like some protests or, you know, I, I've clipped videos of like me testifying at different 
Well, we have all hearings. of that on YouTube. and Yeah. But some of that stuff could be good. Like little clips of it would be perfect for TikTok, too. It's know? entertaining to me. And it's good activism to me to see the bill oh. hearings and stuff like that. But like the average. Gen Z. Yeah, the, Gen Z's yeah, the market here. And actually, I we're to not say going I, to appeal to them with like, yeah. watch Rich did. Paul testifying. I, at, I put that up and it didn't do that well. So like, I forgot. We yeah, already did maybe. try this. I did. I okay. mean, I thought it was great because he he does good um, at, you know, being marketing, like, marketing in a way to, too, you know? to Gen yeah. Z people specifically. Not, and like yeah. what he was saying was great, but it's just it was too long. Like we can see the stats. So like they cut out after, you know, like a minute. They're like bored or whatever oh, yeah more than a minute for tiktok is probably that too and it's long. just like i mean I, I said a minute it was less than that like ian knows he he looked at it with me, like 15 but I seconds literally something like that yeah. i, I think if you the... just get like a funny statement from something like that then you know it'd be more interesting but right right i haven't looked at the stats but i suspect the only one that people are like watching all the way through regularly is the drag queen clip and right. that was down to like a minute 15 seconds i clipped a ton mm. of that conversation out to get just the highlights right and because that's generally what we have to do with tiktok like if you send me a timestamp and like here's 10 minutes of audio i'm probably going to clip it down to like a minute to removing a lot of the in-between stuff like the conversation mark ian and i had about you know being having a different plantation on which you can live that was the whole conversation right it was all you have in the united states or in the world is a choice between plantations as as a tax slave basically and mark said with a straight face that that's what you had but he was saying like that's a good thing between plantations he's saying like you should be grateful like at least you know you don't have to stay in the united states you're choosing to live there and aria was like well, what's the difference between staying here and walking onto the plantation that's Honduras? And he was like, a choice between plantations. Yeah. <laughs> like, he said it seriously. And Ian even called him out because Ian was watching his videos. Like, you may, he sounds like he's joking, but he's not. He's being completely serious here. And so <laughs> My I mean, plantation's better than your plantation. But he was arguing. Wow. And so I took all of that and I clipped it down to like, I, I still think it came out to like two and a half minutes, longer than I would have liked, but... There was too much context that mm-hmm. was needed for it to make sense. Like, how do we get into this whole tax slave thing in the first place? And then that. Yeah. That, and so. then once you get into clipping, because I've done the thing before where you clip things in the middle out and it just takes a really long time to piece together a video like that. Not for me, because I have a lot of experience with it because I used to do um, Bad Movie Club, which was exactly mm-hmm. that. We would record ourselves watching a bad movie and we're going to resume it at some point but as you might have guessed i've got a bit going on in my life right now like let's wait until after the sentencing and stuff to resume any of these projects so but that was what we did we would record ourselves watching a movie and it would then i would have to take the audio feed from the movie the video feed from the movie and the audio feed from us and the video feed from us all four separate you know inputs and i had to synchronize them together and make what we were saying correspond to the right part of the movie and then of course we have an hour and 45 minutes of commentary we can't put that on youtube and most of it's not worth listening to in the first place yeah like an hour and 20 minutes of it is literally just us sitting there drinking it's also so weird to me that people will say stuff like that where they're like, oh, my ancestors from 50 to 100 of years ago were this thing. So, you know, that makes me um, important or special or, you know, that has nothing to do with who you are as a person. It doesn't. And I, I hate that. I hate that I believe that because, like, I, 
I know that one of my ancestors was, was here prior to the American Revolution, yeah. like in 1624, and that my family sided with the colonies against the king. Someone in my family invented what the Kentucky Long Rifle, which they, they were arms manufacturers, mm-hmm. and they fought against England on behalf of the colonies. It's like, I wish that I found actual value in that. It's a cool yeah. story. And and I like knowing that, you know, my ancestors were like, you know, screw the government, yeah. fight the man or whatever. And I feel like they would probably be cheering me on from the grave if they were able to cheer people on. But I can't be one of these people who's like, oh, my family's been here since the 1600s or whatever. But when it comes to the subject of secession and the American government or whatever, I think I said in the secession hearing that, you know, the United States government, I my family was here first. Yeah. So if anyone has to leave, it's them. Not Absolutely. Me. My you know, family's been here since 1620. Yeah, same here. I mean, one of my uh, one of my ancestors signed the Declaration of Independence. Wow, awesome. supposedly and, one of my ancestors was on the Mayflower. Yeah, my my family came on the Mayflower too. But th- these are just things that I'm like, yeah, cool. We settled in Massachusetts or New Hampshire, like hundreds right. of years ago. What does that really have to do with me? I mean, like you said, it's a cool story, but that has. N- it doesn't really have much to do, and I, I'm really into like heritage and you know like breaking ancestral curses and stuff like that, and you know how your line affects you spiritually. But it doesn't really, you know, it's not something I'm going to brag about. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't my accomplishment. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think a lot of these people who take pride in their ancestry or their skin color or their nationalism or their whatever. Their primary issue is that they have no accomplishments of their own from which they can draw pride. Or they want to use it to be hateful. Oh, I'm better than you because I'm what insert thing here. But see, they also it's I'm better than you because I'm white is drawing pride from the fact that they're being white because they have nothing else to be accomplished about. Instead of saying, well, I'm better than you because, you know, I I wrote this song or whatever. Mm -hmm. Instead of having an actual reason, a thing that they did. Sure. Some people are better than others, but it's not because of skin color. It's because of accomplishments, Mm -hmm. but they don't have any accomplishments. So they all they can do is point to these arbitrary characteristics that they draw pride from because they're lazy pieces of crap who have done nothing productive in their entire lives. This is the issue I have with the American nationalists who are like, yeah, I'm America's the greatest nation on earth and I'm great because I'm from America. It's like, okay, but what have you done? Yeah. Like being born somewhere is nothing. Yeah. Like, congratulations. The grand total contributions you made to society was breathing. And the thing is, like, I am of two minds about being from America. Like, in in a way, I like feeling like I really have, like, sounds funny, but like no specific culture. Like, I don't just relate with all white people in America. Like, we're all just so different. Like, it, it, that, that would just be a weird thing for me to be like, oh, I'm just so proud of being a white American. That's just so weird. That's so many different things, so many different attitudes and people and personalities. The judge in Las Vegas, a number of weeks ago, we alluded to this guy who was getting in trouble with uh, the Ethics Commission and had resigned and then went on to kill himself. So the last time we got into it, we started getting a bunch of calls and we didn't get into the actual article. So let's, let's go ahead and dive into it, Bonnie. A Las Vegas judge commits suicide after facing ethics probe for demanding an investigation into alleged sex trafficking ring. This okay, is from- hold, hold on. Uh, run this by me again. He, what? The judge, it's a woman, uh-huh. commits suicide after facing an ethics probe 
because she demanded an investigation into an alleged sex trafficking ring. It's it's a the reason I have brought this story in is because it's kind of like a who's really the bad guy here? Like obviously I just want to say the judge and the cops, but it's like they're both kind of the bad guy. I want to make sure I understand though. She was trying to investigate a child sex trafficking ring. Yeah, but she's a judge. She can't do an investigation. Right, but and as punishment for that, they opened an ethics uh, investigation against her, right? Which led to her resignation and her suicide. We don't know that that's why she killed herself. It's just suspicious. Did she kill herself? Right. Yeah. See, I didn't know when we talked about this previously. I didn't know anything about the child sex ring. I, I thought this was just a. It's just a sex trafficking ring, not child. Well, I didn't know anything about the sex trafficking ring. I mean, I thought it was just this judge who was facing an ethics probe who then killed herself. Yeah, because now I'm getting like. Some conspiracy theory yeah, vibe, you know, like now hashtag I'm, judge didn't kill him herself kind of thing. That's what I'm feeling. Right. It, exactly. It's really hard to tell who's the bad guy here. OK, let's get into it. A former Las Vegas judge committed suicide a year after she resigned from her position after facing an ethics investigation. Per the Clark County Coroner's Office, which is Las Vegas. Oh, wait, we already said that. Judge Melanie Andres Tobiasen died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound, which is, you know, a rare way for a woman to kill themselves. It's an extremely... Yeah, normally that's how men kill themselves. Typically, women try to overdose on medications or things like that. That's why women have a lower success rate with suicide than men do, because men go for the guns, and women tend not to do that. So that's Mm -hmm. definitely alarming. It's not impossible. Yeah, but red flag number one. Yeah. Or number three. (laughs) According to Andres Tobiasen, she resigned in an attempt to avoid a complicated ethics investigation that started when she attempted to rescue her daughter from being allegedly sex trafficked. Okay, so her daughter was sex trafficked, and she attempted to investigate it. Rescue her daughter from being sex trafficked is a little an extreme way to characterize that, but from based on what I've read from this so far. All right, well, what does this say? says, Andres Tobiasen's troubles began when her 16-year-old daughter started to work at Top Notch, a clothing store that Andres Tobiasen believed was running a prostitution ring that would recruit teenage girls. Okay, so she started working at this clothing store and her mom was like, they're actually selling hookers there. That's it says it. In, in an act she believed would protect her daughter, Tobiasen, oh wait, I don't want to skip to that part. I want to explain why she thought that. And I thought it, I'm pretty sure it goes into this. But that is what she thought, right? That this convenient. So was she crazy or was there actual reason to believe that this clothing store was operating a sex trafficking ring? Well, I guess that's what she wanted them to get into. But for some reason, it's not here. Maybe I read like multiple articles about this, but I thought it, it explained kind of like just that the daughter had been pr- proposed, you know, hey, if you want more work, you could do this. Alu Axelman from Liberty Block. You're on Free Talk Live. Hi, guys. I want to change the subject, I guess, and talk about a bunch of the bills here in New Hampshire. Um, there are a bunch of bills for gun control and a few good bills to nullify federal gun laws. And there were hearings today for pretty much all of those bills in the House Criminal Justice Committee. And a lot of them are proposed by uh, free staters. A lot of free staters came out and support it. So I know I heard a little bit of pessimism last few weeks from some people on the show um, about people being potentially lazy. I think Bonnie mentioned that some people are not always exerting their fullest practical effort possibly, which is true. But a lot of people, when I went to the state house today, I saw, you know, dozens of free staters, some of them elected, 
and working their butts off testifying all day in Representative Hall because they put the hearings in Rep Hall, which has 400 seats, obviously, because they expected a big turnout. We had a big turnout and some media. And a lot of people, like 80% of those testifying, uh, were in support of the good bills to block federal gun laws, and they opposed the bad gun bills. I mean, that's, that's awesome. great, but I don't want to box people in and say, like, you know, speaking at a at a congressional hearing or a House hearing or whatever is the only form of activism out there, right? Like, it's great that people oh, yeah, are willing to go and do that, but just because someone isn't going to speak at bill hearings, I, I don't think is a mark against them. Yeah, if something isn't that important to me to drive an hour out, I'll, I'll write it online, and I've written plenty of them online, uh, sorry, testimonies online, but... I just can't. I'm a little jaded for the fact that there was a bill to get rid of the drug war. Just let's just cut that out. Let's just not have any laws about drugs. And me and Ian were the only ones that showed up. Yeah, I'm I know. That's disappointing. I, I am disappointed too. Uh, yeah. I don't know about turnout, but I, I'm not convinced. I'm not sold on the possibility that it even matters to speak at a bill hearing because, like, the secession petition. We had like almost 100 people there, right? I I don't know. I didn't count. But everyone there was speaking in favor of secession. Aside from two people. I don't don't remember. There was one conservative guy at the end. Still, well, okay. Well, almost everyone. But then unanimously, the committee voted Mm -hmm. to send the bill away. Like, all of our speaking about it. You know, that was something that they brought out all the stops. I don't think it ever matters. All of our speaking, all of our writing, it, it doesn't matter. I think that it yeah, has... Yeah, there are a few elements that I would like to say. Number Go one, ahead, yes, Aria, you're right. In general, um, testifying to the committee is very unlikely to sway a lot of the committee members. Almost all of them will vote either partisan or how they felt beforehand. Um, but again, great arguments, if they're somewhat on the fence, could sway them. But the reason we go out and the reason I, being the busiest person in the universe, went out to the state house today for like five hours and testified on a bunch of these bills is, number one, it influences them a little bit. Number two, it's on video forever. Number three, it helps that all, everyone else there, the Mom's Demand Action Gun Control Communist freaks there, it makes them less likely to stay here and discourages them and makes them want to move back to Mass. And it encourages the other few hundred free staters there, encourages them, saying, look, there's one more good person who's supporting liberty. So that, I think there are so many good elements to it that that's why it's worth doing. I know I'm, I'm not under the illusion I'm going to sway every state rep in the world to believe in freedom just because I'm so eloquent and so amazing. I, I got to agree. That's that's what I literally told my friend that was here like uh, the day after I testified for the DMT bill is like, mainly I just want to be talking to the camera, if nothing else. But the, mm-hmm. but the other thing is with like the CACR 32, that was a radical type of bill. You know, that was something that would change a lot of stuff. But stuff like just let's not prosecute people for DMT anymore when you already basically don't do it at all. I think that lots of people were on the fence and it, it wasn't something that was like it was going to take years of understanding liberty to change their minds. Like, I, I think that you can actually make a difference when it's things like that or maybe even gun control. But the thing about it is just that, like, me and Ian have to request to go every time and be back at a certain time. It's really stressful. And I mean, like, I don't know, we've we've gone to plenty of them. And now that there's the online testimony, it's a little tempting to use that more often. Yeah. And and I do agree, you know, if you're really passionate about a bill, it's I think if there's even a slight chance that going to the state house and testifying could help, you know, it's definitely worth it. 
the main thing about what I have been complaining about isn't just that people aren't doing the thing I want them to do. Like, I wouldn't call Aria a do-nothing because she doesn't go to testify at Bill's because she does lots of other stuff. There are literally people here who are like, I do nothing and I'm going to just reap the benefits of the New Hampshire becoming the free state one day just by existing. And it's just like you're taking up space. Like, seriously, you're it's it's the same thing as the people who say, I will totally move to New Hampshire once you guys secede. Like, yeah, just it's please kind stay of, away. It's kind of offensive, honestly. It's like we put in all this effort just for you to come here after we secede. You're not even going to. How, and I don't want to be like super salty about it, but no, I feels, I do because if yeah. they don't want to put in the work, then we don't need them. We we yeah, don't stay in America. Yeah, we don't you know? need the people here who want who who want to eat the cake but not bake it, right? Yeah, and that's like yeah, our we whole want those thing, who right? Put in work. We want those who are willing to put in effort and get down and and dirty, put in the effort, make sacrifices, and move. And the other well, thing maybe to an extent, but I don't I don't care if they just want to come here and vote for free staters. You know, I would prefer they do more than that. But look, if they're going to come here and vote, I think I gotta go. If they're going, to, thank you, um, Nikki. Can you go record the? So anyway, if they're going to come here and vote for people who are free staters, for people who are involved in the free state project or people who are libertarians or whatever, then I, I'm totally okay with that. I don't think they have to be out there doing any sort of activism more than that. But even that is better than these yeah. people out there who are like, well, I tell you what, if you manage to break away from the United States, then I'll come. It's like, well, how about you come help us secede yeah. from the United States? They're, they're the ones I want. And I don't think I'm alone in this. Uh, thank you so much. I think we lost Alu. Uh, the, the phone. Oh no, was, I'm still okay. here. I, I, I have two more points. Uh, um, just go to testify. The, another big thing is you network. So I met, you know, like a few dozen people I didn't even know before, including a self-defense lawyer who's pro-gun, who's awesome, who's going to help with some bills. That's and great. the other big thing is you can get. So you meet a lot of people at these events, obviously. And Mickey, um, as far as not knowing this stuff, you have no excuse. All you got to do is read LibertyBlocks.com's every article and listen to all of our podcasts, I and know. it'll be pretty dark. Before. I already um, got scolded then, by Alu for not looking at the uh, document he sent me. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, and the other big thing is, it'll give you perfect, like, great video and audio for that you can use for grandstanding and, per- and other purposes for videos. For instance, Ian's done this a lot. He's made amazing video compilations of our testimony on the good bills for um, Odyssey for Freaking.com and stuff. But also, there's a guy named I think Mark Robinson is the guy who's currently Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina. Now, North Carolina, I think, elects separately a governor and lieutenant governor. Everyone's Democrat. North Carolina, Democrat governor, I believe, but lieutenant governor is a decent conservative, decently pro-freedom on some issues. And he got famous. The only thing he did in his life to get famous pretty much a few years ago, he made a viral video of him at like a local town committee or something, a tiny thing in a local council or something, maybe state legislature, yelling about gun rights, saying "We we are the majority or whatever. And he got famous, viral from that, and then he ran for office and won. So, I mean, that's that's so well and good. He didn't get famous for that. I mean, there's thousands of people going viral for this thing, and then they're forgotten about three days later. You remember this guy because he spoke on a subject that you're passionate about, but I've never heard about this guy. For those who don't know, March the 14th is literally the day of my sentencing. Mm-hmm. That is the day where I'm going to be sentenced as one of the co-defendants in the, in the same case where Bonnie's boyfriend and the person who owns the studio that we're in is was found guilty on March the 14th. Well, he's my husband. Yes. Oh, but sorry. I always say the same right. thing. On March the too. 14th, I'm being sentenced. I have a federal hearing on that exact day. And Bonnie, you requested a court date on this parking thing. It must appear at 8 a.m. 
Is there a way to reschedule that's it? The, that's the thing. I'm going to try to uh I think you can this. because I've had to reschedule um like tickets before. Yeah, I'm getting a heart transplant so. that day. Yeah, I I don't know how Maybe it's coincidental, but man, what that doesn't seem very likely. I don't believe in coincidence, so I don't know that I do in this in this regard. Certainly, that's it's a bit on the nose for the city of Keene, but I mean, I would not put it past. And they were them. pissed today. They were all like, you know, at first she starts off. I'm sorry, they as in the people at the window for the parking, whatever they what, call the themselves. city hall. Yeah, at city hall. They have a parking window. You go up and you're like, hello, I got this ticket on my car. I would like to challenge it. And she was like, okay, I need this and this. And she was like, really giving me the runaround because the car isn't under Bonnie Freeman. It's under the Shire Free Church. Right. And Ian was there filming and she was like slowly getting more and more irritated. She's like, said to Ian, okay, please don't film my desk. And it was just like, he just continued filming. She was like, whatever. It's just like. He has the right to film whatever he wants. It's a public building. It's whatever he can literally see. He's allowed to film. She knows this. And she knows this. I mean, she knows who he is. She never asked his name. It was talking about him saying he the whole time. And then they tried to issue it to Ian. And I was like, no, no. I I can't believe they were going to issue this. I can't believe they were going to issue it. They did last time for me as well. So maybe maybe it's time. They need to relearn that, you know. Yep. They dropped it for Ian. Yeah. They dropped it for Ian um, right before the raid. He challenged the ticket and they ended up dropping it. But whatever. They I'll try to do. get it continued. But I'm still excited to be yeah. uh, challenging my first ticket. But it's just that Ian obviously has to You've never gotten go. a ticket before? Um, I've gotten a ticket in San Antonio, but it didn't even cross my mind to challenge it. I never yeah. even thought of, of that concept, really. I think usually traffic violations are pretty, pretty good. I mean, they're, they're easier to challenge. I mean, yeah. that, that that's where you want to play... I, quotation marks play with the court system right you don't want to do it while you're on federal trial or whatever no, but definitely like, not parking ticket trial yeah sure try that sovereign citizen stuff why not what yeah. do you got to lose right right five dollars i don't even do that i'm just like hey i'm here and i'm not gonna pay this and they're like okay cool whatever see ya more often than not that <laughs> does seem to be the case but you know if they do find you then you have to pay it i challenged one of my tickets but i ended up just pleading guilty the day of the trial because I had other things that I had to go and take care of and I didn't want to sit there all day and I wasn't feeling well. There were all, I was, That's the worst part about it is being trapped there all day. Yeah. And I had just started chanting so I was nauseated mm-hmm. and was quitting mm-hmm. smoking and it was just it was not a good time. I was like, I, I can't do this. Here here's your ten dollars. Leave me the hell alone. I'm it's going It's fifteen home. now. Inflation. Well it was ten then. Yeah, I know. I'm just complaining. And it, it maybe it was fifteen then as well. I don't remember because the the way it increments, it starts out at 10 or 15 and then it goes up to 30 and then it maxes out at $60 after a certain number of days, right? I don't remember, but yeah, all we need is more people challenging their parking tickets. It's really simple. If even one in 10 people challenge their parking tickets, it wouldn't be cost efficient for them to carry on this nonsense. I, had- I mean, they're still going to do it. We have Chuck on the line from Washington. Chuck, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah. Um, I think lastly, thank you for bringing this up again, and I really appreciate the conversation that is focused every Wednesday and uh, um, the thoughtful consideration of of different religions and uh, spiritual thoughts and uh, so on and so forth. Thank you. So yeah, absolutely. This is this is an example of um, a religion. Okay, it's not spiritual. There's no spiritual uh, 
elements going on here. It's it's a battle of re- religion because it has to do with with uh, the whole theater of the public domain and uh, people getting what is that. What's that? What is well the 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 whole idea of calling God a, a, a girl. You know that's something that each one of us are it individually are going to have to go through when we're about ready to die and 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 reconcile ourselves and that's where it, the important thing is i think with everybody it's uh it's a spiritual thing and what you're talking about here is is some hootie who that has a lot of uh you know political power here talking about religion and the public sector and causing a ruckus and uh just trying to get a newspaper article that really doesn't have anything to do with spirituality at all. I mean, it this possibly is a result of some like woke people doing things, but I think it's pretty obvious that God wouldn't have a gender. To even think that God has a gender is absolutely ridiculous. It's a little weird coming from a Christian church considering the fact that they call God a father <laughs> yeah. and a son. It seems yeah. like that's pretty, you know, it's set in stone for their religion. So it's weird to be changing it in 2023. And I could see why some Christians would be like, that's not what we believe because it's not what they believe. It's just I, that to an obvi- obviously God would, if God existed, it wouldn't be a boy or a girl. It would be beyond that. It'd be like everything and nothing. I mean, I also think it's ridiculous to believe in most of the things that Christians believe in. So maybe that's why I have that belief, but I can't see where you're coming from Bonnie as a, if somebody was a Christian that's their whole thing is that God is a man. So it would kind of be a turn off to them. The Church of England, as we were going to get into, wants to consider the use of gender neutral terms for God. The Church of England is considering whether to stop referring to God as he after priests asked to be allowed to use gender neutral terms instead So the priests within the Church of England evidently are asking for this. The church said it would launch a new commission on the matter in the spring. Any potential alterations, which would mark a departure from traditional teachings dating back millennia, would have to be approved by the Synod, the church's decision-making body. And I don't know that I I assume the Church of England and the Roman Catholic Church are, there's a schism there for a reason. I don't remember all the specifics. I didn't know that they maintained their own separate branch because they are effectively Catholics, if I remember correctly. I don't know but anything not... about the Church of England. I mean, I don't know very much about Catholicism, but the Synod thing, never even heard that word. Yeah, I, I may have been pronouncing it incorrectly, but I'm pretty sure the Church of England is Catholic. They're just not part of the Roman Catholic Church. But I'm not 100% sure. The... Uh, RT, I don't even know what that stands for. The RT Reverend, I know what REV stands for, that's Reverend, but what does RT stand for? The, the, anyway, the Reverend Dr. Michael Ipgrove, Bishop of Litchfield and Vice Chair of the Liturgical Commission responsible for the matter, wow, he must feel important, <laughs> said the church had been, quote, exploring the use of gender language in relation to God for several years. So this is something they've already been thinking about, already been kicking around, and now some of their priests are like, hey, Look, we want to call God Zay or whatever instead of he. After some dialogue between the two commissions in this area, a new joint project on gendered language will begin this spring. In common with other potential changes to authorized liturgical provision, 
Good Lord, why? Oh, I hate these people. The bishop's comments come in response to a question asked by the Reverend Joanna Staubert. Interesting. Joanna is definitely a girl's name. Some the Church of England seems to allow female bishops. Hmm. I wonder if this results in them having more or less child rape than the Roman Catholic Church because the Roman Church has a ton of it. Oh, they don't allow females. Well, they they the Roman the Roman Catholic, Catholic. Church does not allow uh, women priests. Hmm. They they can become nuns, hmm. but they can't become priests or bishops or reverends or whatever. But she's definitely a reverend, or it's a dude named Joanna, which I guess is possible. It's unclear what would replace the term "Our Father" in the Lord's Prayer, as you mentioned, Bonnie. Now, there's a lot of gendered language in Christianity about God, and it's very... It just seems like, why not break off and create a new religion? Like, I'm not... It's just strange to me. Like, why does it have to be done? Like, these ancient texts said a thing, but we don't like that. Yeah, you think they would... Because there's so many different sects of uh, Christianity... Yeah, yeah. That you think Yeah, that you, like, just branch off if you want to do this woke stuff, because you know this is going to piss a bunch of people off. Well, they, that's effectively what they're doing, right, is making their own branch of Christianity. I mean, they're changing. The, I, I, don't even, I can't even say for sure that but, they're changing the canon of Christianity because I can't read the Aramaic or the Hebrew to say yeah. definitively whether or not God was even exactly, characterized as a male in these texts in the first place. Well, and I, I guess the Church of England kind of is its own branch of Christianity, right? As I understand it, they are. Yeah, so I guess, you know, if people don't like it, they can just become Catholic or something. Or they can form their own unique branch of Christianity. The subject of transgenderism and what is male, what is female, it may be interesting to a lot of people, but to me, it's just, it's my life, right? I, I, I don't find it particularly interesting. I could have used this conversation six years ago mm-hmm. when I first began transitioning, and you probably... Couldn't have gotten me to shut up about it back then. I I don't I don't remember, but now it's just like okay, yeah, I'm, I'm trans, and that's just the way it's been. And that's kind of how talk I about feel it. about being a woman, though, because I know there's a lot of like women only festivals and and stuff like that. And I do I appreciate like creating a space for women. And I do, you know, I'm very proud of being a woman. Like, I'm, you know, obviously, like, studying midwifery and all of these womanly things. So it's yeah. it's a life that I'm very deeply immersed in. You know, it's who I am. But I feel like the exclusionary aspect of a lot of these, like, women-only spaces or women-only festivals, to be completely honest, I don't really want to be in a woman-only space. I have a lot of male friends. I like I like spending time with my partner and a lot of my, you know, I want to spend time with my male friends. So it's like a little weird. And then a lot of those women-only spaces, like one of the festivals I was thinking about going to, it was um, a free birth society festival. So, you know, they're very into, obviously, you know, like not medical childbirth, for lack of a better word, and, okay. you know, stuff like that. But they're really into like womanhood and it was a little off-putting to me i was like i would love to go to this festival but just the fact that they were excluding men and they were super transphobic and that was really what put me over the edge where i was like i honestly can't even associate with these people anymore because they're so well you went to it 
No, I wouldn't because um, they were like super transphobic and I didn't really want, you know, I'm like, right. I don't want to be in a woman only space. You know, like I appreciate like maybe a, a new moon's woman's circle or something like that. But I was going to mention that. I was like, yeah. that wasn't cringy. She did it nicely. And no. she said she's even open to opening it up to other and people. And she has, yeah, you know, like one of our friends that is, um, sorry, yeah, we didn't explain in the, what we're in the, about community she holds women's circles but now she also holds like in the liberty community yeah, okay yeah. and she does hold like um circles that are open to men and women so she's kind of opened it up too but you know i think like a one night thing like woman only circle that's cool because it is nice to have a woman only space every once in a while sure but I don't want to go to a whole festival where there are just chicks. I don't know why it is I've just been checked out from that basically like my whole life. Like I've never wanted to be in a sport. I never wanted to be hanging out with only women doing like, all right, we're the ladies badgers or whatever yeah, no, team just, I've... Even the sports I did, like dancing, there there are men that dance, you know? It's just, I don't like the, the, ex- like the exclusive right. nature of it. It's just off-putting to me. In my experience with uh, NBs, that's non-binary people. NBs is just a way of calling. Them. I it's just a shorter... realized that that's NB. I always thought you were saying E N B Y. Uh, no, it's E N B. Well, E N B Y is the singular term oh. NB. But it's because of N and B non-binary. It, it's an abbreviation for the letter N and the letter B. It's just yeah. a way of saying it out loud. NB, and hmm. then it just becomes NBs, right? Hmm. But in my experience. And almost all of the NBs that I know, and maybe they consider that a slur. I don't know that no one's ever said, don't call us NBs. Most of them seem to call themselves NBs. They're straight, but they just don't want to call themselves straight. Right? Like, I I know this this non-binary person who is a girl, and it's obviously it's non-binary, so she's not a girl, but for all intents and purposes, of, yes, has girl parts and doesn't look unfeminine, like just looks totally normal feminine. And I'm not saying what she is or isn't, but like she also dates guys, but she doesn't want to call herself straight, right? Because being... They being, don't want to be cis, you know, like you don't want to yeah. be a cis straight person being, and that's, that's kind of... That's not cool, being a straight cis person. Yeah. So instead, she's a non-binary gender queer person in this yeah. pansexual relationship. But it's like, okay, I mean, you can complicate it to that degree if you want, but like... You're just... It's just at a the end straight, of the day, relationship. straight Exactly. Hmm. And I think from what I've seen from like a medical provider perspective, like working in psych... A lot of it is just attention-seeking behavior, and I'm not trying to say that everyone who is non-binary or whatever is attention-seeking, but I have seen especially a lot of younger folks, like young adults and teenagers, who that's kind of like their version of a cry for help. Like, they their their parents neglected them, or like they need attention in some way. So in order for them to get the attention that they didn't receive as a child or as a teenager, they have to kind of create these these other ways for them to seek attention. And that's tragic, right? It is. And it, I'm not saying that everyone is like that. Right. Absolutely not. But I have seen a lot of that. Yeah. And I'm obviously not saying that every NB out there is, you know, just trying to escape from being cis, right? Some of them are legitimately... I, I don't understand being an NB because I, I just, I don't understand it, right? But to them, they, they take characteristics from both male and female, and that, that's fine, whatever. I'm, I'm not even sure a word is even necessary for that. Like, 
if you're a girl who has short hair and you like motorbikes or whatever, mm-hmm. the, the, what what is it about that? Nothing about that makes you envy. You're just a girl with short hair who likes yeah. motorbikes. And when when I was like in middle school and stuff, there's plenty of girls like that. Like it's so funny. I was thinking about this today because I saw a girl walking down the street with short hair that reminded me of a friend I had. I guess I was like a in a freshman in high school, and I just always thought of her as like such a tomboy but she was so she was completely straight it wasn't it, nowadays i was just thinking nowadays she probably would have been like i'm non-binary i'm a demi well, girl that's the or thing. whatever so those but people used to be tomboys i mean it didn't have to be they, did, they didn't have to call themselves that i don't remember her ever calling herself that she was just into like well that was going just out like the, the term for it right like a, a woman that kind of likes masculine things or like that sporty girl in high school like they're just tomboys that's like the term for it we mentioned gender language, right? And that's a thing in the Spanish language. It's not so much a thing in the English language. But in Spanish, almost every noun, maybe every noun, I don't know, has a gender attached to it. Yeah. It's either a male noun or a female noun. And it and it doesn't even... And I'm wondering if those words are necessarily masculine or feminine or if it's just whether you use el or la. Well, L, me, L is the one used for masculine. Yeah, exactly. And L is the use. But then the word oh, changes. I see what you mean. Yeah. The word changes too. Yeah. The so, word will, can, uh, like, you know, if it ends with A, it's usually feminine. Yeah. Ends like Latina o, would yeah. be feminine and Latino mm-hmm. would be masculine. And this is why some people, busybody liberals out there, want to replace Latino and Latina with Latinx. But they're like completely discounting the entire language doing that. And the well, feelings yes, of the people care. who are Latin. I mean, the, you these, know? these are gentrifying white Starbucks customers. They yeah. don't care about the cultures of people they're stepping on. Yeah. They've spent thousands of years making it clear that yeah. they don't care about any culture well, that isn't theirs. Yeah. These are the people that have communist stickers on their MacBook Pro. Yeah. Yeah, those guys. Mm. They want to replace Latino and Latina with Latinx. And Bonnie, you have a new story about this because it never even occurred to me prior un- until tonight that this whole Latino, Latina, this Latinx thing was meant to be a genderless form of Latina or Latino. Yeah. I had never really given it. I'd seen it in some places, but I never really stop to think about i feel like it's something that they quote unquote they tried to make catch on and it just didn't because people who actually like use those words commonly have never had a problem with saying latino or latino oh you mean the people that actually belong to those cultures you mean the latinos and the latinas right and it's not hard to say that or I don't know, like I, I've also heard people from Mexico say Latin, like just Latin to mean the same thing. Yeah. So it's like it's almost like it wasn't even necessary. But yeah, I, I've never thought of it as being gender neutral before either. I thought it was just we're using this to be woke. I thought it was just I, I never really stopped to think about what it was being used for. It was just some vague term that I had seen here or there. And I was just like, OK, whatever. I did. I, and I, I was kind of the same way. I didn't know what it was until I saw people of that culture being upset. People are going to listen to this conversation that we've had tonight, and they're going to say that we're transphobic. No, and it's just, it's ridiculous. And I think there needs to be more research being done on trans people and people that are taking supplementary hormones and in regards to health, you know? I mean, even women on birth control and other hormonal forms of birth control, there is not enough research done 
on how that affects their bodies. I, I kind of think that the stuff we've been stating tonight is in a way almost like, uh, I don't know, affirming what I believe is the ideas that trans people have, if, if that makes sense. Because it's like, it muddies the water and makes things difficult for trans people when people are like, no, I'm a tree her. I'm not a she or her or him. I'm tree her. I'm part tree and that's my gender. That That's what confuses people, pisses people off, makes people go, we live in a clown world. It's like, I don't know. My other trans friend said it uh, like perfectly like that it makes sense if gender is a is a you know a spectrum from one point A to point B to you're on one one part of that spectrum. If you're something else, that's just a different thing, you know, going yeah. on with your brain. I also think a lot of older people in the LGBT community that I know, like people who were alive in the eighties and really got the brunt of a lot of that hatred, they're kind of offended by some of this because they had to live through a period where they were being attacked and ostracized just for who they are. And now it seems like it's just a little trendy. And uh, some people are using these terms and they're not being genuine with it because it's cool now. But guess what? It like, you know, 30, 40 years ago, it wasn't cool and it was actually dangerous so yeah. it is It is a lot of, it's a little offensive to some people who went through like this huge struggle. And I'm not saying they think like everyone should go through that struggle, but just be genuine with it, you know? Absolutely. It's not cool. It's just something. I mean, there's the whole transgender thing that we just, we're just not allowed to talk about, right? We're, yeah. we're just not allowed to talk about the fact that there are young people out there, quote, transitioning and becoming non-binary and all these other things because that's what's cool. Yeah. Right. We're not allowed to say that. But it's it's the reality. It's, it's actually happening, and, I see it, yeah. and it sucks. And those people are going to regret it. And and when those people go five years from now, they go, oh, "I'm transitioning. I'm detransitioning, or whatever." It, it's going to be paraded out by these right wingers, going, "See, see, twenty six percent of trans people regret transitioning, yeah. or whatever." We just need hmm. more balance. Both sides need more balance, and I think that's the big issue because you have the left and the right, and they're on two opposite spectrums of this issue. They're like, you know, I have the right who's like, they're grooming children. And then you have the left that are a little too supportive of anyone that wants transitioning. And I'm not saying people shouldn't be allowed to do what they want to do, but there needs to be more of a conversation. And I'm sure there are some parents who are encouraging their children a little too much to transition. I would love to see more genuine, honest conversation on the subject. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.